Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis with Bible Interact. We have been working on first century methods of searching the scriptures because I want you to be able to go into the depth of scripture and the Hebraic ancient way is is the way really to do it. If we don't have that, we either just believe what others tell us. I mean, we just listen to people and jump on bandwagons. Or we do our own Bible study, but are you really getting into the depth of Scripture? Today, I want to talk about the literal interpretation of Scripture and how to go beyond that. I'm going to start by talking about a very common tradition, which is to read the literal meaning. Just just read it for yourself, and you will understand what it says. Read the Bible for yourself, and you will understand it. Now, when and where did this tradition originate of just reading the Bible, reading the literal Bible? It came from the Protestant Reformation. I'll give you a very brief description of where, how we got it. And then I'm going to take you into one example in Isaiah and show you how you go beyond the literal interpretation into the depth of meaning. It all began with the Protestant Reformation. Before that... Only a few members of the clergy could read. Most clergy were uneducated. Only the, the higher level were, were educated. And scripture was hand-copied. There were three things that precipitated the Protestant Reformation. The first was the Crusades, where people from Europe were going to the Holy Land, and they discovered that the Arabs in the Middle East had preserved a lot of documents that were Hebraic, Hebraic documents. They either preserved them in the, in the Hebrew or they preserved them in the, in the Arabic, but they were from, originally from the Hebrew. And they brought back this incredible wealth of, of um, information. And uh, the Crusades also uh, precipitated trade. There was a great deal of trade. So the, the first thing is the Crusades. The second was the rise of universities. Because the trade was creating cities... In the cities, the universities arose because they had this wealth of wonderful documents coming from the Arab countries. And the third thing was the printing press. Before that, scripture was hand-copied. Now with the printing press, people could own a Bible. They could learn to read in the universities. And uh, this is what precipitated the whole thing. Now, the one who really started it was Martin Luther. In 1517, so that's 500 years ago, He posted his famous 95 Theses, uh, where he accused the Catholic Church, which was the only church, of abuses. Now, he had two important uh, cries that have have come down to us today. I'll give it to you in Latin, but you're going to know what it means. The first one was sola scriptura. Sola means only, only scripture, sola scriptura. Scriptura, only scripture. In other words, don't rely on what other people tell you it means. 
just go to the Bible. Just use the Bible. Don't use any other person, any other book, any other anything. <laughs> just sola scriptura. I agree with that 110%. The second one, I disagree with 110%. <laughs> the second one, you'll also understand, uh, the Latin is sola literalis. Only the literal meaning. What Martin Luther was saying is now that you can read, you don't have to, you know, be super educated to, uh, you know, like the members of the, of the church to, to, to understand what it means. Just read it and read the literal meaning and you'll know what it means. That's where it came from, this, this literal interpretation. Now, um, what I'm going to do now is, uh, let me just explain that the Hebraic way, we're going back to the first century, and there are two reasons, by the way, that I, I return to the first century. People sometimes ask, why don't you go back farther into ancient Israel? In the first century, we have a large body of literature from which we can draw, not just scripture itself. And um, uh, and then the, the other thing that I, I have to continue to remind you of is that the New Testament has over 300 citations of the Old Testament, so it is a form of commentary on the Hebrew Scriptures. So it, it, to, to, to fully appreciate the New Testament, you, you have to be immersed in the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, the Hebraic way, you know, from this first century methods, from the, the Hebraic way of looking at Scripture is, yes, of course there is a literal meaning. God placed it there, so there's going to be a literal meaning. There's nothing wrong with a literal meaning. There is a literal meaning. I don't want to take you away from the literal meaning, and you always have to do the literal meaning first. But in addition to the literal meaning, there is also a deeper meaning. And um, the... the, the um, the Hebrew term for that is darash, which means to dig it up, to you know, to to, to uncover that, that. And from darash, we get midrash, methods of midrash. So, if God was the author, he he's infinite, and so his word is infinite. And there are these these deeper aspects of meaning. Now, I'm going to take you into Isaiah, and we're going to spend a little time there, um, and I'm going to show you how you can use these first century methods. Let me just start by saying, let me give you just sort of a little things that we're going to look at. We're, we're looking at words of prophecy, and I'll explain to you what prophecy is. Prophecy is typically given in Hebrew poetry, which is rhythm and emotion. There's going to be incredibly vivid, vivid imagery. The artistic nature of the language is going to play on words, I'll show you that, and then, because it's prophecy, it's going to be extreme exaggeration, and you can't take it literally because extreme exaggeration is there for a purpose. Okay, now, let's start with the concept of prophecy. We're going to be, by the way, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 3. But let me explain, these are words of prophecy. Prophecy, we tend to think of as prophesying something that is still future. In the Hebrew scriptures, I would say that 90%, 85 or 90% of the words of prophecy are not about the future. They're about the present time, and we can extend that to our lives in our present time. A prophet simply speaks for God. That's all he does. And when God speaks, most of the time, God is talking to us about our daily lives. That's what he's spending most of his time talking to us about, is our daily lives. You know, wake-up call, wake-up call. You're walking the ways of the world. I want you to turn to me and walk in my ways. That's most of the words of prophecy in the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, you're going to get some uh, uh, prophecy of the future, but the purpose is the same, both for prophetic words for now, prophetic words for the future. 
the purpose is so that you will stand now. You know, the words of prophecy can be really tough, by the way. Remember I said it was going to be extreme exaggeration and this vivid imagery and this emotion in the poetry? It's, got, it's tough language. It's really going to, it's a, it's a big wake-up call. But the purpose is for you to stand now. Now, if God gives you prophetic words about something future, it's not so you're going to be frightened or prideful or, you know, scared or worried about your family or anything like that. The, he, he gives you those words of prophetic future and allows those of his children to understand it so that they will stand now. They know what's coming, so they're going to stand firm now. That's the purpose of all words of prophecy, and we're going to get that in Isaiah. Now, let's just go ahead and, and start with Isaiah, and I'll kind of show you these things as we go. So if you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 3. If you're driving in the car, please don't uh, try to read the Bible. Um, I'll read it for you. So, in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1, we have here, Behold, the Lord God of hosts is going to remove from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support, the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water. This is in poetic form. The poetic form uses parallel lines, and it, it, it conveys rhythm that leads to emotion. So let me read it again, and I'm going to um, read it. I want you to just, um, if you're not driving in the car, just close your eyes and listen to the rhythm and let the emotion well up inside of you. Behold, the Lord God of hosts is going to remove from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support, the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water. You hear the rhythm. Um, I hope it built up emotion. Now, um, I won't explain the, the, the parallel um, construction of parallel lines. I won't do that. Let's just leave the rhythm and the emotion. Now, I want to get into the play on words because what the ear is going to hear, it's going to hear repetition, both supply and support, the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water. Now, I'm reading it in an English translation. Um, if you know the Hebrew alphabet, you let your curiosity be drawn in to key words. The repetition is supply, supply, supply. And, one, and in place we have supply and support. So uh, if you don't know the Hebrew alphabet, go to BibleInteract.com and you'll find there, um, just click on, I think it's a look under education, Hebrew and Greek, something like that. And it's a simple little way for, for learning the Hebrew alphabet uh, by, by listening, by hearing, hearing and repeating. So, you know, you can look, look up those words if you choose. And lo and behold, there's something very interesting here. We've got to play on words because supply, it's been translated supply, is mishen. Support is mishena. So you, you've got a, you, you've, you, the ear hears this, you know, both mishen, ve mishena. They're hearing this, and it's and it's done for emphasis. And then, and then you know, kol mishen lechem, kol mishen maim, and it, and and so you're getting this incredible, you know, use of this um, mishen. Okay, now mishen basically stands for a staff, 
And can you get a picture in your in your mind of a shepherd holding a staff? The staff is what he leans on to give him support and to help him balance. But basically, it's 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 support. You you get the support from the staff, and that's when you extend the meaning of Michen, it, it moves from from staff to to support. So. What it is is it, it's this incredible imagery. So you know the the um, let's see, God is going to remove from Jerusalem and Judah both Mishen ve Mishena, and you get a picture of 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 leaning on that staff, and that staff's going to be pulled away or broken, and you're going to crash, and then it goes the whole supply of bread, and the whole supply of water. Well. That is what allows you to live. Bread and water is what is required for you to be able to live. Without bread, you can't live. Without water, you can't live. Now, remember that prophecy is extreme exaggeration and vivid imagery. And the purpose is so that you will stand now. How do we apply this to our lives now? It's very simple. Um, God is our only support. He's the staff. There is no other support other than God. When you take God out of the equation in your life, you are going to crash. And, you know, it may not be the whole bread and the whole water, but but, but that's done with imagery to, to convince you how, how critical it is to lean on God for every single second, everything you do. And that's the, that's the message that's coming across. Now, Isaiah continues, and, and this is fascinating. Um, this is actually a figure of speech called irony. Irony is like tongue-in-cheek. Uh, you say one thing, but you really mean something else. <laughs> so what we're getting here is we get uh, the Lord God of hosts is going to remove now, I'm stopping on the word remove. If your curiosity is drawing you to the word remove, I mean, if you can read Hebrew, for heaven's sakes, read it in Hebrew. But uh, most of you cannot, are not fluent in, in reading biblical Hebrew. But you can learn the alphabet. You can, you know, go to our website, BibleInteract.com, learn the alphabet, and let your curiosity be drawn to key words. You know, if you're a believer in Yeshua, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. That gift guides you. It, you know, it doesn't just say, "Oh, I'm going to tell you what this means." It says it. It, it leads to curiosity, and you have to do the work to look up the word. So we have here the Lord God of Hosts is going to remove. The Hebrew is sur, which is often translated "turn aside," and it's used for prostitutes. Prostitutes will say. Turn aside, my master. Turn aside to me. Come into my tent. <laughs> and and it's it's incredible imagery, and it's used for you know not just turn aside to come into my tent for what I have to offer, but turn aside to the ways of the world. Don't go down the road of God. Look at what I have to offer. I have a house with two car garage. I have a new car every three years. I have, you know, I'm going to send all your children to the best universities. Turn aside to me. And so what's happening here is it's irony. Because the Lord God of hosts is going to turn aside. So it's using the, you know, turn aside of prostitution and and obviously God's not a prostitute, but it's it it's irony. It's using that, you know, it's saying one thing, but it's really meaning another. 
So the one thing it's saying is that prostitute business, you know, turn aside to me, but what it really means is God is going to uh, turn away from giving you support. He's not going to give you any more support because you're walking in the ways of harlotry. You're walking in the ways of the world. So he's not going to give you any more support. Now, it, it, so now we have to see how it continues. It says, the Lord God of hosts is going to remove or turn aside from the mighty man and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the honorable man, the counselor and the expert artisan, and the skillful enchanter. We have rhythm. We also have extreme exaggeration. The technical word for that is hyperbole, but all you have to remember is extreme exaggeration. Isaiah could have said, the Lord God of hosts is going to turn away from, from your leaders. That's all he, you know, that would have gotten the message across, right? Well, this is prophecy. These are words that God is speaking to his people, and he's doing it in a very strong form to convince them to, to walk in his ways, to turn to him. Now, we always have to take a look at how this applies to us. You know, what was going on at the time of Isaiah was that the Syrians were incredibly... Um, fierce and, and, and brutal people and they were approaching and they were going to conquer the northern kingdom of the ten tribes with the capital in Samaria and then they were going to come down and, and approach the two southern tribes with the capital at Jerusalem. Now Isaiah is in Jerusalem. He's, he's talking to the two southern tribes. But, but we can apply that to our lives today because Isaiah is saying God is going to turn away from, from your leaders well, you say, well, he won't turn away from me. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> you know, if he turns away from your leaders, what is your staff? What is your support? Certainly it is God, but God gives leaders for you to lean on, and you have to determine who is the, the false prophet and who is the true prophet. Now, the leader he has sent is his son. We lean on his son. I mean, is Yeshua the center of your life? You know, are you... Are you making him the center? You know, he's he's the leader. But then God also sends other leaders. And yes, we we are to to rely on leaders, but we have to determine whether they're true leaders or not. And so we get here this extreme exaggeration. The Lord God of hosts is going to remove or turn away from, turn aside from, the mighty man and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the honorable man, the counselor and the expert artisan and the skillful enchanter. The mighty man, by the way, is a very interesting term. Um, the mighty man is used for those who are worthy to inherit the remnant. The word is gibor. And throughout the, the, the Hebrew scriptures, you can see the gibolim, that's plural, referring to those who are uh, worthy 
of, of the inheritance called the birthright and therefore are worthy to be part of the remnant. So even they, he's even going to turn a, a, away from them. He's going to leave you totally without any leadership at all. You know, the judge is the one who tells you what's right and what's wrong. The prophet is the one who's speaking for God. The elder is the one in your congregation that you t- you lean on and turn to. He's He's going to he's going to turn aside from all of those leaders without leaders you have none to follow. And of course the 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 most important leader is the son of God whom I have made lord in my life, my lord Yeshua. That's but there are also leaders and I have to distinguish between the true and false prophets. And then um you know irony by the way um can be in the form of uh, sarcasm, you know. Ugh you know we're going to i'm going to turn a, remove your leaders or um i always give the, i give the the example of you know a family at a dinner table and the teenage daughter is eating you know she's eating politely but her her 10-year-old brother is slopping like you know his food they're eating spaghetti and he's got his nose almost down in his spaghetti and he's slurping up his spaghetti and she says um you know oh you you know you you pig <laughs> and it's you know she's it's it's sarcasm it's it's referring it's giving you the image of this pig snorting up his spaghetti it's sarcasm um but it, it's a form of irony you know it, you're you're eating like a pig it's a, it's a form of irony um where you're not really a pig but that's you know, it, it gives that imagery. By the way, in the in the New Testament Gospels, uh, Yeshua talks to the Pharisees in this kind of language. He's saying one thing and meaning another. What he's really meaning is that, you know, you claim to be leaders, but you're not leading. Just like this passage in Isaiah. You know, God is going to turn aside from all these leaders because you're not truly leading. So, um, so irony comes in the form of sarcasm. If it If it gets extreme, it's ridicule. And if you're standing apart and listening to it, it can be humor. You, it can actually be kind of funny. So, um, we, so this hyperbole continues, you know. Um, the Lord God is going to remove the captain of 50, the honorable man, the counselor, the expert artisan. I will make mere lads their princes, and capricious children will rule over them. That's, that's that extreme irony, you know, that you're going to, instead of having true leaders, you're going to have children who don't even know what they're doing, you know, and, uh, you know, now, what is the purpose? And again, we can uh, apply that to our lives today. What is the purpose for all this language? The purpose is so that you will stand today. Um, Number one, you need to seek out proper leaders. Number two, if you see leaders that are not godly leaders, there are a number of things you can do. Um, you know, if if it's a you know a, a congregation or something, you just leave them behind and you go find true leaders. You know, when it comes to um, leaders in in government, administrative leaders, um, I, I think the probably the thing to do is to is to speak out. Again, the the sages. Um, say that that if you are in a position to speak out against something that is wrong and you do not speak out, you are as guilty as the one who is committing that grievous sin. That applied, by the way, to the Nazi um, era in Germany. In other words, um, they saw these terrible atrocities. If they did not speak out, they were as if they were the Nazis themselves. Um, 
if they spoke out, it meant that they might be killed. And yet you, you had to, of course, you have to hear from God as to what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to speak, how you're supposed to speak. But in any case, you have to make a stand. When you see leaders that are not leading properly, you have to take a stand. You have to do it God's way. And I hope you, you know, you, you can, you, you know how to hear from God. So, um, what we have here, what I've tried to do is I've tried to explain to you that um, there is more than a literal interpretation, but you need to have the skills to go in to uncover the depth of meaning. Now, you're not going to get it with this one little teaching. Um, we have, by the way, uh, Bible Interact has a wonderful website. I encourage you to go to it. It's BibleInteract.tv. As I speak, we have 45 teachings up there, and we're about to add 12 more. Each month, we, we continue to add more teachings. So it's an incredible wealth of, of of Bible teachings. Now, what we do is we come from, we're different teachers, we come from different denominations, but we all believe that the Bible is inspired and authoritative. We share with you how we're uncovering the depth of Scripture. And, and we're saying, we are drawing these conclusions, but let us show you how we draw these conclusions. So, yes, we're sharing with you what we see in Scripture, but we're also trying to show you how uh, how you can do it also. So um, do turn to BibleInteract.tv. Um, it's a wealth of information, and you'll get more information on how to uncover the depth of meaning. Yes, read the literal meaning, but you should be learning how to go beyond that to the depth of meaning. So with that, I bid you shalom. <laughs>